0: Welcome to the Plus 6 Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFL ratings. Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as Jeb Welcome to the show, Jepp. Hi, okay. Pete. Eagles good win in Sydney last week against pretty much a listless Carlton. What did you think of the young guys for the Eagles?
1: Oh, yeah, yes, their, uh, their waffle side turned up to play. Um, they did well. I, I'm shocked. I, I didn't give them a chance, personally. I, important win in terms of their season for West Coast. So, yeah,
0: good good win. I thought Sheed and Redden in that midfield just overpowered the Blues. I thought they were fantastic, the Eagles last week. And then my Collingwood goes on the road for a long day into Adelaide, and they actually played quite well. Jamie Elliott uh, on fire early in the first quarter. But yeah, just a couple of interesting things again happening with that Collingwood team, and their effort has been fantastic. All right, Jeff, let's get into the podcast. So for the listeners, as always, if you retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter, you go with a chance at winning winning a uh, plus six podcast cap. We're going to give some more away next week. So get on and retweet away. Also AFL Ratings Twitter accounts, jump on and follow. Plenty of information out there for your fantasy teams, and also aflratings.com.au uh, for some fantasy content there for you as well. So remember, this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday night, June 8. As always, especially in this situation where we've got fixture changes and everything else going on, make necessary adjustments when news comes to hand. couple of additions I've got this week, just for a bit of an uh, information-based uh, think thought process for myself. Um, so we do have an additional trade for next week, so we go to four trades. So make necessary adjustments there. So just quick thoughts on that, Jet. What are you thinking about the four trades next week?
1: Yeah, excited. Um, we we get a bonus trade for the year. I look at it collectively, um, which is obviously the tailor for um, some changes. But to me, it's really a bonus trade. You know, I'm, I'm still kind of sticking to my plan for, uh, at the end of last week with targets and primo targets and, and uh, underpriced premiums. So, yeah, it's a really a bonus trade in my eyes.
0: Yeah, I think the, the extra trade's good. Obviously, we had a game brought forward to this week, so we're going to be short on planes for next week. And I think the one trade extra actually maintains integrity ...in the competition and integrity into the uh, top-ranked coaches as well. So I think it actually is a good result. I think five might have been too many there. But anyway, we'll see how that plays out for this week and next week. All right, so one important thing I also want to mention for this podcast specifically... ...was once, and this is noticeable to me every single year... ...is that once teams take a buy, when they come off the buy you've got to expect that that period they've spent away from playing, that they will make adjustments. And they will make adjustments on potentially game style, uh, player roles, players in the team or out of the team. So you just got to be aware, and the, the big one to make changes from the first half of the season to the second half is Clarko. So he does throw the magnets around, so just be aware of uh, that situation there with Clarko. But other teams will make adjustments. So you've just got to be really aware and take notice of information, Uh, coaches speak assistant coaches speak and obviously I'll throw up a heap on Twitter as well so anything of note that you need to pay close attention to because there's nothing worse the second half of the season that you're trading in a player that's going to be uh, pretty much have high ownership for that week uh, into a situation where there's a potential role change so what are your thoughts on that Jeff?
1: Yeah, um, history tells us that that very much happens for the bottom sides. You know, the teams that are near enough out of the finals race, it's time to look to next year. Um, Hawthorne's won North Melbourne and potentially a couple of others coming really to fruition in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, it's it's about maintaining the knowledge of roles because we all know how important a player's role is on the park.
0: Yeah, Carlton's another one that's in that boat now. And uh, St Kilda is potentially just on that borderline whether they're going to head down the direction of uh, taking a look, look at their list, but they don't have many players available. And the one team that we know has done that this year as well is Collingwood. So yeah, just keep an eye out for role changes, players in their the team, opportunities. Just pay close attention because that will benefit you at some stage. Okay, Jep, onto some general questions. So we've had the fixture change, one game brought forward this week. Uh, So the impact on balance of available players is there. So what are your thoughts?
1: Um, Well, look, it's... To me, well, there's certain scenarios it's going to throw everyone. um, But you've got to use that bonus trade. And I think everyone's forward line has tended towards round 12 um, by players. So I think the forward line's okay it's really the rucks in and defence. Um, and maybe I'm speaking just on my team, but, you know, Mills, Laird, Crisp, Lloyd, they're popular players in the back line. Um, and you've also got Gorn and Grundy and maybe even Darcy after his injury last week. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to manage. Um, it's a, These trades this week is probably more important than next week just to get that balance right.
0: Yeah, for me, I think. Uh, most teams should have pretty much a full stack available this week. So for me, I'm starting to look at moving players on that have a round 14 buy. So that's going to open up more options um, post the buy and will open up the game for those top-ranked coaches chasing a pretty good rank. Also, options to wait on upgrades for another week. Considering most will have a full stack Playing again this week So we were looking at Upgrading into this round So there's not necessarily That you need to go there You may actually choose an extra Downgrade this week and then stack them Into all next week when like, Most teams are going to be challenged To hit that 18, 19, 20 Top players, Jep, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, t- t- totally agree It's um, Again, it's probably looking at There's seven trades collectively instead of three and trades this week and four trades. So look at it collectively over the next two weeks instead of narrowing
0: in on just this week and and then probably potentially having more problems next week. Okay, Brody Grundy is expected to be available post-buy in round 15. What path should those that traded him out take? Now, last week I said it would be uh, most people will hold. Well, the top-ranked, coaches they got rid of him and most of them got rid of him so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out which is going to open up the game for different types of strategies so what are your thoughts there on the Grundy situation Jip?
1: Well my strategy I did offload Grundy in the end and I traded him to Sean Darcy only
0: because of the forward status
1: you know his DPP and the likelihood that he was a top six forward um, or thereabouts was was enough for me to get rid of him And, and to maintain rank was all about the points but unfortunately Darcy's gone down with a minor hammy um, and it's just, it was the one play I couldn't afford to get injured um, so yeah, it's it's thrown a, a bit of a, a curveball but um, I think a lot of those top rank coaches are really relying on Ned Reeves to come through with the goods in, in the next two to three weeks with cash generation and points um, and now I'm forced to be pr- one of them um, with Darcy injured and I'm trying to hold Darcy as best as I can because I'm pretty well suited in my forward line so yeah, you're right there's plenty of strategy on Grundy himself you know, whether he comes in, he's running pretty well by the look of it um, from what social media and Twitter tells us. Um, some of the photos he's in you know, in a big stride and he'd probably come back and hit the ground running straight from the get-go, not, not as if it won't be as if he's missed a, a game at all. So, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be interesting how it plays out. Um, but that's why we love the game, hey?
0: Yeah, it's interesting how you um, said you were going down one direction last week and flipped. And I said I was going down one direction of trading and I flipped as well. And I actually held <laughs> so it was just interesting and for me it was that extra um, the moot change in fixture so that changed my strategy so it was just making a necessary adjustment that I needed to but I had Dan Curves as, as well last week so I had that issue already ongoing for last week so it's interesting how we both sit on a podcast we're doing one thing and we end up doing exactly the opposite yeah, so.
1: that pressure of points mate for me it was the pressure of points and I, and I gave in it was probably indi- or undisciplined but we'll see how it goes
0: yeah, for me, it was the main curves that, that tipped me over the edge what I needed to do there, so yeah. I had to move him on. And was pretty much going to hold Grundy now for the whole period that he's going to be out, and, yeah, he's going to be fully fit potentially when he returns. So just on that situation there, I think if you can bank some cash over the next two weeks, so that's seven trades, um, it's not going to be too much of a difficult upgrade. He's just under 800K there, so he's not overly expensive still. So Darcy to Grundy is 117 k If you've got coverage this week and next week, then that's you don't need that much to upgrade there. Uh, for those who went down to O'Brien, uh, it was a good situation to be in, especially right now with Darcy going down. And Riley O'Brien right now, obviously you only get in for one more week, then he has a buy as well. He's only got a break even at 65 So you just got to be aware that he is still an option there. So just final thoughts on that. Yep.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it... For me, every team's different. So I could cover Darcy in the round 14 by within my forward line, um, but I couldn't have done that with Riley O'Brien because I had Gordon O'Brien and Paul Hunter at R3. So I was, that was a point. Um, I was always bringing in Reeves this week, no matter what. So, yeah, again, pre-planned trades... It works when everything goes to plan when you get a little injury and we never want injuries in buy rounds it can really de- derail you
0: all right jeff we're going to get on to some current assessments and then we're going to start to talk about ownership for the rest of the year so it's getting in there targeting those players that are lowly owned so uh, we can jump the wall of ownership that is in front of us so taking advantage of that situation so i'm going to run through some players here and just a Quick discussion from each position and what your thoughts are. So, Max Gorn at Randall, so the top 20 ownership, so as we what we did last year, so top 20 ranked coaches only. So, last week Gorn was ranked uh, 80%, uh, there was 80% ownership, and last week uh, that turned out to be now it's 100% ownership. So, he's fully owned, so changing 20% there. Sean Darcy went from 8% owned in the top 20 up to 36. So there was a split there, and Raleigh O'Brien went from 8 to 28. So a few coaches went to Darcy, a few coaches got luckier, and they went to O'Brien. So what are your thoughts on that situation there with Gorn, Darcy, O'Brien ownership? So everyone's going to have Gorn, so it's just a matter now whether well, Darcy pretty much needs to move on, potentially, and O'Brien, for those that went there, can pretty much hold there for a couple of weeks. What are you thinking, Jeff?
1: Yeah, obviously the O'Brien hindsight's a bit of a thing, and O'Brien was the right call for the short term. But, um, you know, up until half a mark of the last quarter on Sunday night for the Freo game, Darcy was the right call. So it's funny how the game goes. We got um, O'Brien against uh, an injury depleted St Kilda. He'll probably come up against Paul Hunter and Ryder. So it'll be interesting how he handles that. But he should score well again, um, no doubting that. So, yeah, it's... Um, The O'Brien choice is the short-term
0: favourite to win it. Okay, so high ownership in midfield there. So Jack McRae is at 100%, so fully owned. Uh, Tim Taranto, 92%. Zach Merritt, 88%. Sam Walsh, 84%. Tom Mitchell, 64%. And Darcy Parrish getting up there, Jepp at 44%. Your thoughts on any one of those?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Parrot, like... I saw Parish in the flesh against West Coast a couple of weeks ago now, and his second and third efforts, his intent, um, he is not the player he was 12 months ago. Far, far, far improved. And I'd almost argue he's the most improved in the AFL this year. So, yeah, the Parish move for those coaches, whether they made it two weeks ago, three weeks ago, or even last week, they're sitting pretty, and I think they'll hold their highly ranked at the end of the buy rounds.
0: So now a little bit into the forward line, got some DPPs in there, so we'll just um, I'll list them and, and talk about some ownership here as well. So Aaron Hall at 96% owned, so pretty much full ownership there. Josh Kelly at 76%, so some coaches in the top 20 still don't have him, So, but he's wholly owned across the board, you would think. So Dustin Martin ownership starting to go up there at 52%. Lockie Hunter 44%, so he's about the mid-range there. And then we go into Nick Hine, who's 100% owned in the top 20. So there was a quite unique pick, and most of those coaches would have had him from the earliest parts of the season. And the other one there that has seen a big jump in ownership, Jep, is Isaac Heaney. He's now up to 56%, but he was a little bit slow last week. And as what we, what we have said in the podcast previously, he plays in that half forward role. So you're going to get some volatile scores. What are your thoughts on any one of those?
1: Yeah, I think the Hunter percentage surprises me. Um, 44%. I thought that would have been a little bit higher. Uh, but, yeah, with Heaney, he, they play Hawthorne this week. It's a really good matchup for him, isn't it? Mm. So plenty of ball coming in the forward line. You know, he gets three figures there. So, and look, for me, again, based on my team and the way it was planned out, I couldn't get Heaney because of his round 14 bye. <laughs> so it's it's amazing how this split of by rounds, I've found it, I can't remember it being this difficult. Um, maybe I've just got a short memory but um, yeah the teams and I would have jumped at the chance at Heaney if he had even the round 13 buy so yeah it's going to be again interesting how this plays out to to the end of the buy rounds and even to the end of round 15 because I think by the time the uh, round 15 ends we'll have a pretty good gear of all our primos where they sit and the top sort of coaches pull away from the Peloton as I used the
0: metaphor last week Okay what we've got now is we'll have a look at defence and that's Rory Laird at 92% so pretty much fully booked there, Sam Doherty at 68%, solid Callum Mills mid-range 56% Tom Stewart 40% only so Stewart might be a little bit of a target there for the remainder of the season um, Callum Mills mid-range she has been solid at midfield or defence your thoughts there on any one of those Jip? Yeah so
1: no mention of Whitfield yeah which is reasonable, that's obviously going to jump up and he's going to be the number one target for those top-ranked coaches, naturally. Yeah, Stuart, look, I'd, I'd still... I think you can pick up Stuart at any time. I don't think there's a danger of him jumping out of um, uh, affordability. So I'd be leaving that last spot, upgrade spot, to the very end for defence, personally, Um you know, there's some really juicy picks in the midfield. So, yeah, it's the Stuart call, I'd leave. and But he gets it done most weeks, doesn't
0: he? Now we're going to move on to low-owned players. So it's Brodie Grundy is now down to 8%. So that's two coaches in the top 20 that retained <laughs> Brodie Grundy. So, man, it's going to open up the game for the second half of the season and what coaches do over the next couple of weeks. And I agree with you. Once, once we hit post-buy for Collingwood, he's going to be good to go. Yeah. So... I don't think there's an issue there on his fitness. So they're just being completely conservative with that neck injury. So uh, he's going to have to be a target relatively quickly. So just a quick comment there on Grundy, Chip.
1: Yeah, I think those two owners that held Grundy, if they can manage the next two weeks with by players, um, they're laughing. But if they're struggling to get 18 on the park next weekend, it could be a real problem. So, yeah, again, lots of play out. Uh, you know, hindsight for me personally, do I wish I kept Grundy? Probably not. I think the trade call was still the right call for points and overall rank. Um, it just, you just need a little bit of luck.
0: So we're going into the midfielders now, so they've got pretty much low ownership here, and if we don't mention a player now, that means they have little to no ownership. So it's Callum Ward at 20%, a little bit of an increase there. Brad Crouch 20%, a little bit of an increase there as well. Jack Steele is up to 16%. Now there's a high ceiling player that uh, has low ownership, Clayton Oliver, 8%. Another high-ceiling player that has low ownership. Bonson Pally has been absolutely remarkable this year. 4%, so it's only one coach, so very light ownership there. Jared Lyons as well, 4%. Lockie Whitfield, total ownership in that top 20 is 12%. He is the target this week, and I believe he's almost a non-negotiable. He's at that right price range, and we could see a quick jump in salary there. So most people will go with Whitfield this week, and I think that's a pretty good call there as well. Andrew Gaff at 12%, so a bit of a unique with a high ceiling. And one player that has had a monster ceiling has done quite well this this year is Ben Keys? He's only got 4%. Your thoughts? Folks...
1: Yeah, look, I think on Whitfield, I think he's not going to be this cheap for the rest of the year. So, yeah, he's he's the target. Now, I actually thought about, again, betting against the house with Whitfield. Even though he's only 12% at the minute, it's obviously going to, I'd expect it to be 50% by the end of next week. So do you go and bet against the house? Can that benefit you? But I think with Whitfield, I think with the, the draw they got and where GWS are contending for finals and still in very much in a competitive mindset, um, I think you have
0: to get him. I think it goes above 70%, maybe even up to
1: percent Yeah, maybe. Yeah, potentially, yeah. And then just another shock there was Oliver at 8%. I yeah. think Oliver... And look, I watch him closer. I'm an owner of Oliver, and I watch him closer probably than I do other players. And he can be a bit lazy at times, but gee whiz, when he turns it on, he really does turn it on. So, you know, Melbourne don't want to muck around. Goodwin wants these guys solidifying the top two spot um, and then looking at, you know, dare I say, resting players and all that kind of jazz. But there's bigger fish to fry for Oliver. He, he's a proud player, a very competitive man. Um, and yeah it turned out to be a jet pick I remember when there was a bit of criticism when they picked him up with pick 4 um, I forget what year it was now probably 5 years ago so um, it turns out to be one of the best picks in their history He um, he's going to be a life player for them and he's got his mate Petrarca
0: right next to him so yeah good time to be a D supporter Alright a couple of plays to finish off on the ownership discussion here, Jack Siebel's got 20% total ownership so he's uh, got forward or defender status, so a 20% ownership. I think that's actually not a bad target there. So we know he's mm. going to average, I, I, I still suspect, over 100 points from this point on. And if he starts to hit those ceiling gains again, uh, that's potentially a good pivot onto Zeebel there. So he's seen a drop in salary, so that's one player you might want to target. And Jake Lloyd, as I said, into the solo podcast last night he has not scored 120 points in a game this year and he was mid 30 percent back in 2019 with the same game length so it's quite interesting to see what lloyd has done now with the swans uh, they've been quite efficient with their ball movement this year so that's sort of taken away a few points out of lloyd's hands but yeah just 12 percent ownership for lloyd and i still think he's pretty much a solid hundred so just a couple of players there to discuss jeb zebel and lloyd
1: Yes, yeah, evil. I think again, uh, both of them will score three figures um, from here on in. I think Lloyd is is still warming up. I think there's Dawson takes a lot away from him. I'm a Lloyd owner, and I'm again watched it probably closer than most. And Dawson is taking a bit of away, a bit of direct play mm. away from it with his long left foot. So. And then we know the way North Melbourne are playing. So Zeebel and Hall, when Hall's playing, Zeeble probably scores that 10 points less because um, Hall's a much more direct line breaker and that's obviously encouraged by his coach and coaches. So, yeah, I um, I prefer Lloyd over Zeebel, personally um, if you had to choose. But interesting play and um, I still can't even nut down why Lloyd has had a quite a year, yeah, Dawson takes away and they're a bit more better than the ball use, but I, he he's still commanding the ball and sometimes he's not getting it. So he plays Hawthorne this weekend and I expect that score to be pretty pretty healthy.
0: Well, they've made a bit of an adjustment into their play, game plan this year, so they've been efficient from D50 into their forward 50. They're moving a lot quicker. So what you're going to see there, Jep, is that there's a lot less defensive 50 uh, switches of play, so instead of going east-west, they're going north-south. So it's one yeah. of those um, sort of changes in game style that may have affected um, Jake Lord there. But oh, I still think it's a solid 100 anyway. So, all right, Jeff. On to break evens to target that are playing this week only. Uh, we only got three plays with it a negative break even. So a quick discussion on these players. So Ned Reeves I think is going to be highly targeted. 245k minus 21. We've just got to hope that uh, Clarko just settles Reeves into that team and I think a lot of coaches are going to benefit out of that. Again minus 21 break even. If he's in that team for the short to medium term there is a decent salary increase. So the next player there is Trent Bianco. Same situation. So I think he's in that team for Collingwood for short to medium term, no doubt about it, I believe. Now, minus 18 break even. I believe most teams would have him right now, 249K there as well. And Joel Amardi comes into the team after solid VFL form. Um, he actually does quite well last week. He's got a minus 8 break even, 200K. Your thoughts on any one of those,
1: Um Yeah, so... Reeves is a no-brainer, and most of us have Bianco right now. Um, Amadi was the one that surprised me. He was really competitive in the air, took some great grabs. I think he has another great game against Hawthorne this week. Um, so if, if there are coaches out there that can pull that round 14 by playing their forward line and, and manage it somehow without um, losing an on-field player, yeah, Amadi would be the third choice. And look, it's looking pretty dire in terms of um, rookie choices available at the moment. So, yeah, it's um, it's about cashing when you can and, and maybe even getting creative and
0: trading a primo down to a discounted premium to
1: generate the cash too.
0: Three players I want to mention here and there a special mention. Luke Foley, Luke Edwards, Harry Edwards. All Eagles players all performed quite well last week. However... Unfortunately for these three players, we're going to have a stack of Eagles players coming back into the team this week and over the next couple of weeks. So job security issues right there. Jep, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, job security with a with a seasoned team like West Coast will always be an issue. I thought even though Luke Foley scored very well and kicked that great goal <clears throat> coming out of defence, um, he did a few. He made a few boo boos, a couple of miss shepherds, um, a couple of miss kicks, and. Couple of turnovers, so he's probably one coaches are looking at, given what his fantasy score was. But I thought Luke Edwards was pretty good. Yep. I, I actually thought his performance was great, and he'd be the one of the three that would hold his spot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got Hutchings breathing down his neck, potentially Ainsworth as well. So, yeah, um, it's interesting how it plays out. But they've yeah they've all got the job security risk no matter what. And traditionally, Adam Simpson as told the young fellas, they have to buy their time. Your you know, yep. Yeah, and Luke Edwards is in his first year, so there can't be any um, disheartened feelings about that. So everyone's just got to understand that when they're looking at trading in those Eagles' rooks.
0: Yeah, Simpson's a big one on learning your craft before you get into the team, so you just got to keep in mind with those three, three players right there. Okay, Jep who are your five targets for round 13? So we had a bit of a discussion last week so we could budget for these players. So name your top five for this week, please. So you're premium-wise? So your top five targets premium-wise, yeah.
1: Yeah, so Whitfield, number one.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Taranto, number two. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Duncan, number three. Yep. Miller, number four. Yep. And then Tom
0: Stewart, number five. Okay, so I went with Whitfield and Taranto, the same one and two. Um, I had Tooke Miller at number three. Uh, Then I went Josh Kelly there, so there are some coaches that don't have him, so that's pretty much a fair uh,
1: evaluation
0: of Kelly needing to be a requirement for your team. And Tom Mitchell. But Tom Mitchell's got a huge break, even at 133. Now, this week... With a break-even of 133, there are weather concerns for that game in Sydney. So you just got to imagine that if he uh, shortfalls on his score, that he's going to see another significant price drop, so do you wait. I know I was strong last week on going early and spending up, paying an extra 30-40 grand on players, but you just got to take into consideration the weather concerns there, whether you think they're going to hit a pretty decent score. And yeah, the other one there, I have a number 6 there, it's Duncan. But he's got a monster break-even, 153. I think you can wait a couple of weeks on him, so I wouldn't be targeting him. But yeah, I think for the second half of the season, Duncan is in there. Okay, Jeff. so premium players to target. Now we're going to look, have a bit of a different look. So it's high ceiling player type, so it's less than 750k, break-even of less than 100 so again, playing for this week only. So Jet, we're going to go Brad Crouch is uh, 714k, break even of 77, but he does have the break. He does have the buy next week. What are your thoughts?
1: Um, yeah. Look, on Crouch individually, and with all these players, it's we assume you can manage the buy rounds by trade them in. So with Crouch, yeah, he plays well when St Kilda play well. So. He's just one of those players that, um, if St Kilda are on the slide, which odds on they will be for the rest of the season, then I actually avoid him.
0: Yeah, I don't mind Crouch. I think he does have that ceiling, so we did see that last week. Good matchups are good for him. So it's just whether those low scores can be minimised for the second half of the season. But I still think he's a good, solid trade target, and I would do the post-buy scenario for Crouch. Dom Sheed is another one in there. Obviously, a good score last week. It does have a ceiling uh, in his fantasy game. 706k, break-even at 79. He's got the round 14 by though jet.
1: Yeah, he's basically the number one midfield for West Coast, along with Redden at the moment. So, um, a free reign. He doesn't kill you with his possession. So, he'll never get a tag. So, that's a decent target, for sure.
0: Still side-bottom. Obviously, can jump into the forward line there. 686k, break-even of 91. Round 14 by as well. Um, I think it's pretty much an avoid with cybottom uh, volatile screwing he can, he does have a really good ceiling, but yeah, I think it's just an avoid for cybottom for me. What do you think in edge
1: i'd avoid it too just on the comment that you mentioned earlier about Buckley moving the magnets around and, and trying new things when, when the, you know the season does come they put a line through it, so to speak so um, and he's an older player they're probably driving cotton wool earlier than normal as well so yeah, avoid.
0: Yeah, Callum Ward's started to see ownership in those top-ranked coaches as well. He's put up a pretty good average for the last three games. Jep, is at 109.7. He's got to break even at 54, 632K. For me, I do like it, but we might have missed the ship here. Jep, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, just on that price, I think it's if it was done, If you're still in the 500s, he, he, he'd call it. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's a no for Ward. If, um, by all means, if you can afford it make it happen, because you know, it's if you can't, say, get to a Whitfield or a Taranto or whatever, or a Kelly then you make the next best move don't you?
0: On to Dustin Martin, he's averaged 100.5 points from his last two games, now he's got a break even of 61, he's got a salary of 590k Jeff. so he's got the game this week against West Coast, then he has a buy so I think he's still a solid target now. My theory on Martin for the last couple of weeks has been if Richmond pick up their game and finish the season well, you got to think that Martin's going to be a big part of that. So 100.5 from his last two games does suggest that I like him a lot. What do you think there?
1: Yeah, and he, he will turn up against West Coast, absolutely, no doubt. Um, I'm really interested, interested to see how West Coast contain him, um, and I don't think they can. So... Yeah, a good get, but again, most of us, it depends on how you manage your buy players and now having the round 14 buy, that um, the, this change in fixtures throwing the spanner in the works because I had Dusty pre-planned for round 14 trading um, mm. and, and now that can't happen. So, yeah, obviously a good get.
0: On to the next one, who's been moved to the forward line this year after a start into the midfield, is Scott Pendlebury. So he's down to 5.86K. He's got a break out of a 94. So again, started in the midfield this year, moved to the forward line. Buckley said he had some injury issues, so they were just trying to manage him through that. Now Jamie Elliott comes back into the team. And Pennebury starts at half-back, which is a premium scoring position, and that's fantastic. So he started scoring quite well. Now, what we did see at halftime in round 12 against Adelaide is that Penelby went then went into the midfield, and Jack Crisp went to defence. So, man, you just got to be really careful what Buckley is doing to this team. He's moving players all over the park. However, Jack Crisp going to defence is not so bad, and Pennebury going midfield or half-back is not so bad either. They are two premium scoring positions i like Pendlebury a lot if those are going to be his two roles, but uh, I just can't guarantee it, Chip. What are you thinking?
1: Exactly. If if we knew that Pendles was going to play mid and half-back, then we'd pretty much all lock it in, yep. wouldn't we? Yep. So, um, it's just who wants to run the risk. And I still think it's probably worth the risk after the, his buy-round next week. I, I really do. I think um, Buckley's getting more set with his rotation, and Chris has obviously had a lot of defense experience. Um, so mixing that up with Pendles and obviously at the time he went into the midfield, it was the time that the game needed to be won and won, mm. you know, in the contested possession sense. So, yeah, I I would love, I would, to me it was, it was a bit of, I could understand why he was playing half forward. Um, it was to, you know, deliver the ball inside 50 cleanly and, and very well, but, these days, you can do that from defensive 50 quite easily. So I hope
0: Bucks and the coaching staff at Collingwood leave him there behind the ball. Okay, Raleigh O'Brien. I was big on him last week. Also, Sean Darcy, but it's just the cards have fallen O'Brien's way. Now, he's got a break even of 65, 584K, scored 111 in round 12 in a pretty much a soft matchup. And potentially there is a soft matchup coming up against the Saints this week. He has the buy the week after. At 584k, Jeb, if you would have told me this, again, pre-Ram 1, that, and he wasn't injured and he was 584k, I'm just insta-trading him in. I think he's a monster target still.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that theory, for sure. Um, and I reckon it goes well again this week. So, oh, it's, to me... It, yeah it's just at a real delicate time of the season isn't it so you probably do bring him in if you if you had to like the Darcy or O'Brien move again assuming you can manage the buy around players yeah. it's not the worst move in the world because it nets you over 100 grand so let's think about that when we have very very few cash cows available so I feel like there's a about 70% of coaches hoping for a debutant this week that's just had the buy. I think they should be going to church a bit more and keep praying because it's not going to happen. Um, So those moves will come to light once we uh, see the teams on Thursday.
0: And that's the big thing, is that the high impact of targeting O'Brien is potentially how your buy structure looks next week. Now, with the one less game and the one extra trade only, is that you know that many people are going to have to forego O'Brien this week based on what they're looking at for next week? So it has a yeah. high impact. Right, Jeff. Yeah, and the, sorry just
1: lastly on that mate was um, the Reeves issue. So yeah, I think those highly ranked coaches, Reeves, and for me, my mindset was, well, Reeves the backup. You know if the Darcy thing doesn't work out or Reeves comes in, I flip Darcy to the forward line and Reeves plays R2 for the short term. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting how it plays out because Reeves could score 40s and 50s, really, um, and Brodie Grundy comes back in, and those two coaches that held Grundy in the top 20 will be licking their
0: lips. So just so I'm looking at the numbers here I've got for the bench, the ruck bench in the top 20. So yep. I do track that as well just to see where... Uh, Bench cover is especially for those rucks, and especially if there's an injury go down, you can actually take advantage of who people are owning. So, in the top 20 coaches, you have you've got six coaches that own Ned Reeves already. So, yeah, so that's a massive jump. And yeah, you Yeah, you can do some extra things now if you have him in the team. And teams number one, ranked number one and two, are actual owners. Yeah, that's great.
1: Like great for them, um, and sucks for the rest of us that are chasing those top-ranked coaches. So yeah, that's they've got the play, they got the trump card in their hand, and they can hold or or do what they like. If um, obviously it's it's a play, Reeves. So I think during the buy rounds, and then reassess at round
0: fifteen. All right, jump onto the next player there. Dan Houston had some shoulder concerns in recent weeks. Had a couple of situations where he was out of the game and scored quite lowly so that means a drop in salary he's down to 568k break even of 98 now coming off the buy here potentially is a target for many this week as well I think if his shoulder is okay I think he can score 95 to 100 for the rest of the year quite comfortably I think he's a big target there Jeff. what are you thinking
1: yeah, I have him down as one of the best value picks this week and next, um, no doubt about it. So playing the break-even game, you'd obviously try to bring him in as soon as he could. Um, but if trouble is is brewing, like myself, for my team, then I'll be
0: looking at him again next week. And the last player to finish off in this section of the podcast, Jeff, is Isaac Keeney. 567K, and he's got a break-even of 75 and you've just got to take into, again, the buy structure for next week for the Swans. So I think a half-forward can be volatile scoring. We've seen that last week. For me, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe still on the fence with Heaney. What are you thinking?
1: No, I think, again, it, it's, um, I think it was the right move. I think it was definitely the right move to bring in. I just couldn't do it. Um, and I know many couldn't do it because they already had Dusty and Shai Bolson and... Poulter, and whoever else. So, no, no, Heaney would come good, but he's, he's obviously the short-term, he's sort of the step ladder, isn't he? He's mm. not the long-term go. So, um, no, no, no qualms with Heaney at all, and I expect, again, rain, hail, or shine, a big game against Hawthorne this weekend.
0: Okay, Jeff, on to a few players from the listeners. Thank you for sending those in. Time to play like or dislike to finish off the podcast. We are going to do an 11-pack to finish off. So first up, Kyle Langford. So he's at 663k, he got the buy this week. McGrath has gone down in that midfield for the Bombers. Now, since round nine, Langford has seen a big increase in centre bounce and midfield usage, um, and he has averaged 113 points from his last three. It's a like for me, Jet. What are you thinking? It's
1: a like for me, too. Um, Bombers are playing good football, and it's starting in their engine room with Parrish and Merritt, and... Um, and Langford doing his bit, um, although not full-time in the midfield, having some run-through there.
0: Jack Bowes, so he's at 659k, break even at 135. So it can potentially wait, but he does have a pretty good ceiling, and Gold Coast are a very high uncontested mark-type team. So 101.8 uh, from rounds 1 to 8 he did average, yet. For me, it's a like. 659k uh, doesn't put me off. Uh, so I do like it. Obviously, the Suns are coming off their bye, and he's available uh, to play return from injury this week. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I really like him. Um, it's just the break-even at 135 that throws me off. So, mm. in essence, in this type of environment, again, with very little cash
0: generation, you probably wait a week, so really keep an eye on him for next week in round 14. OK, onto Travis Boak. Uh, we know he has high midfield usage, 699k, and now he has a break-even of 112. He's averaged 95.8 points this season, Chip. So he's only scored 100 points or more in 30% of games, which is pretty much a low output. Now, if you're going to target Boak for a midfield spot, you pretty much want players to score 100 points or more in that like 70-plus, percent 65-plus range, and he's mm-hmm. only at 30%. So for me, I'm saying no to Travis Boak. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think there's a bit of... Um Players have stepped up, William Drew namely, so he's found himself forwarded the ball a little bit more than last year, so it's a no for me.
0: Now, one player we spent 15 minutes talking about this pre-podcast, so this is quite (laughs) interesting. So it's Nick Haynes. So, again, he's at 445k. Now, he is cheap, so he's got a break-even of 67, which is not going to burn you so he last two games he has averaged 77.5 which you know if he averages that well you're not losing that much at, on trading him in it. if you are if he is one of your targets now he started in defense uh the start of this year now his last couple of games he's played on a wing and still gone back to defense now sam taylor has gone down with a long-term injury So if he can go back into that defensive sort of intercept marking role, at 445k, I'm going to absolutely love Nick Haynes. But last year, he was that intercept marking player, which is great. But the the Giants did hang onto the ball way too much across halfback, and they were actually openly criticized, and the Giants became more efficient for the second half of the year, and and his scores did start to deflate. Now, he's got a pretty low floor, but 4.45k, I don't think he's going to get burnt too much. Now, if he averages 85, I think it's pretty much a bonus trade right here to target him, but it's just a matter of forecasting what he is going to trade and what he actually does. So for me, I'm actually going to pull the trigger and say a massive like here. Jeff, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, it's an obvious like. I think... Um, he's had his buy, he's incredibly cheap, he's got the potential, and now the role with no Sam Taylor appears to be um, fully you know, viable again. So the break-even's there. It, yeah, it ticks so many boxes you can't say dislike.
0: It's just the trust now. It's got, you've, you've actually really got to trust that he's going to go to halfback. Now, it might not play out that way, but, you know, you... You know, all the signs are pointing that way, and a lot of things that they are saying that's a tick, but, you know, it's just full-on trust. That might not work out, but at 445k, and we do get the extra bonus trade next week, but that's not going to really play out. But I think at 445k, I think it should be a monster-like. But for those that go Hanes this week, uh, fingers crossed, let's hope it works. All right, so the next player here, we haven't seen much of this player, is injuries in his first year, injuries in his second year, it's Matt Rail. So he's a 536k, he's got a monster break-even, jet But does does he have that instant fantasy game? And the best part about Matt Rail, he's going to have zero ownership. Jet, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, so the zero, this is the thing. Do you, I think it's too big a risk to bring in Rale Ra this week. Only, if I'm a coach or a fitness staff member at Gold Coast, you want to protect the block a little bit. So to me, he starts on the outside. I think he starts on the outside and half forward or whatever and, and warms up to competitive football again. I'd be very, very, very surprised if they went, Matt, straight on the ball, Ruck Rover, you and Took Miller do your stuff. Let's win some games of footy. I just don't think they'll do that. I think they're quite settled in their midfield at the moment. Um, and I think they're going to ease Rail back into it. So it's a dislike for now.
0: Yeah, monster light for me. I actually think this is actually a pretty good pick, and I actually think you'll go in for the midfield, and I actually think you're going for the midfield for high usage. Um, it's not a guarantee though. At 536k, again, you're going to pay up. He's going to drop in salary a little bit more, so you just got to factor in that that you might want to target him in a couple of weeks maybe even next week and get a bit of a look at it this week see what happens so but no ownership there is a big tick there for real the next player jack lakotius did go back into the fence to cover off on jack Bowes, so he should now potentially come back out onto a wing but he did score 114 points while he was back in defense so uh, the Gold Coast got heavily scored on. Obviously, when teams are getting scored on and there's inside fifties against, that's more fantasy scoring opportunities. He scored 114 points, so he made the most of moving back. So back onto a wing, 613K break, 53 is actually quite good. But I'm going to say no, I don't like Jet. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, no, it's a dislike from me. Just although the last two weeks have been, well, these last two games have been great. Uh, it's consistency, and he's just not there yet. Maybe one for next
0: year okay the next player who was min salary a few weeks ago and he is off to an absolute fly in his career now he's not fully owned in that top 20 which is quite interesting so he's going to generate a stack more salary and this is caleb polter 452k break even of 14. so he's still going to make a a stack load jeb so he's averaged 75.8 points for the season and his last two of three games, he scored 100 points or more. So for me, even if it's at 452k, for those that don't have Polter, you know, we're talking about targeting other players like Haynes there. But if we had a choice between Haynes and Polter, well, I'm going for Polter for the pretty much the guarantee. So, you know, if if you're in that situation and don't have Polter and you're flipping between both, for me, it would be Polter. Uh, I'm still a like at this salary, even though it's massively inflated compared to where most of us uh, took in there. Um, so what are you thinking for me? It's a like, Jeff. Thoughts? Yeah, it's very much a like, and I've
1: got to rearrange my trade plans because he was getting traded for me next week, and now I'm definitely not doing it. Um, he sticks around for, for a while,
0: yeah. Yeah, I think he can average over 20 disposals for the remainder of the season, so... I think he's got even more comfortable over the last few weeks, so I think there's uh, some opportunity that he's going to increase, you know, potentially 150, maybe 200 more in salary, which would be quite remarkable, but at least 100, maybe 150 more. OK, we're going on to Tom Green for the Giants. Midfield usage is not fully there just yet, 556k. He's uh, been around that up and down salary, around about the same mark all year, break even the 73, Jeb. For the season, he's averaged 72.1. For me, just still too volatile, and he doesn't have that guarantee center bounce usage. I think he'll get there eventually, but it's just not yet for Tom Green. Your thoughts? For me, dislike.
1: Yeah, dislike. It would have been different if he got forward status in this last round, which didn't eventually.
0: Next one is Patrick Cripp, So, scores 300s in a row, then comes out with a quiet day in round 12. Did cop a massive Corky there, so which was unfortunate, but he was already on a slow day. So for me, now it's discussing whether uh, coaches do hold him. So 657 he's got the buy this week. I still think it's a hold and I still think it's a like. So the the one player which you probably want to see take take a week off would be actually Patrick Cripps. Now he doesn't have that monster ceiling, but he did show some signs in the last few weeks. Jeb, for me, it's okay. And again, the break should do him well. I'm going to say like still.
1: No, I dislike. I um I was really disappointed with Carton as a whole, and one of their leaders. So unless he changes his tune and has a good hard look at himself, along with the rest of the 21 players that are playing most weeks, they um they're not going anywhere. And as a team, you know you need good players around you typically to score well. Um I know Sam Walsh is in that group, but um yeah. The heads dropping in the last quarter, obviously, I was fully into the game on Saturday. Um, And, yeah, they just got beaten by a reserves team that, um, you know, that shouldn't have happened. So,
0: yeah, dislike. Yeah, interestingly, we did say in the podcast earlier, is that uh, one of the teams to watch for potential volatile situation could be Carlton. Um, with finals starting to fade away for Blues, and it's pretty much already there now, you know, what does happen. And if Cripps is still struggling uh, for the back end of the season with these back... Uh, you've got to expect at some stage that they might put him on ice early. Now, that's no guarantee, but, you know, that could be a possibility. So for me, right now, he needs a week off. That'd be great. He'll come out fresh, and I think it's a light there. Okay, the second last player we're going to uh, discuss here, Jordan Ridley. So 558 k he's got to buy this week. But for me, there's still not much fantasy scoring there now. If he can be that freed up loose player in a set marking type, well, then a 558K for me, it's an instant trade for Jordan Midley. But it's still not there yet, and the scores aren't there yet yet. For me, I'm saying dislike.
1: Yeah, the role's not there yet. Again, when Nelson played West Coast, saw him in the flesh, um, looked at his body language, and it wasn't too great. So um, it's a dislike for me for now.
0: Caleb Daniel, 610K. So he's been moved around... Uh, in positions recently He does get targeted from opposition uh, Small forwards for lockdown uh, Obviously he's an outlet Player when sitting in defence for the Bulldogs So he got a buy this week and he has Scored 83.7 points From his last three games For me I'm going to say dislike, Jep What do you think of the last player, we're going to discuss?
1: No I dislike, I can't do it Not at this time of the game um, Where we, we're really Looking, if you're going to go Caleb Daniel, you, you bring in that last primo spot and you, you move
0: heaven and earth to to do it in one move and not two. All right, Jep, that's it. Final thoughts heading into this week's round of football. We've got seven games. What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, um, obviously interesting with the fixture change um, and we'll see Eagles West Coast a bit earlier. I think Again, we stay on top of the news. We've got the Thursday night game, so there's more VC options. It's going to be an interesting week, and I think it's going to be a week where um, a lot of us are going to jump rank personally. Um, a lot of us are going to have our, our core players on field um, with that fixture change again. So, yeah, stay on top of the news, players, availability of, of quality rookies and not just any plain old rook, um, and then getting creative trading or letting go of your primos for a discounted premium and not losing any sleep over it.
0: Yeah, I'd be, I'd be straight into um, once you work worked at your trades for this week and I think your trades for this week are pretty much reliant on what is happening to your team next week so I think you yeah. really need to get into two weeks of trades here. Uh, yep. Jump out, open up another tab in your spreadsheet and really look at you know, most, play, most coaches are going to have a full stack of players available this week so scoring should be actually quite good. But it's next week, and that's the issue for pretty much should be the most of us. And those those coaches that are in top-ranked teams that are fully stacked into next week already, man, they're potentially looking at a monster jump in rank. So if you can be one of those coaches to adjust, make some adjustments in your trades this week that are actually focused on next week, I think that's actually pretty much a good uh, situation for you to look at to be in. All right, Jeff, that's it for Episode 91. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.